0: there's all this interesting stuff on our weave and there's all these worlds and all these people. So you're kind of trying to connect the dots, but, but in a different way, making it so that stuff is not just
1: mysteriously out there. Is that part of it? One like design goal that I have is like building, breaking these big picture things down into tiny little, uh, builds, um, and have those builds be able to h- provide value and, and have utility like right now and not be like, oh, we're going to build this for three years and release it. But like build it in public, build it with community and have each one of these different like access points, I guess you could say, like have a real utility and value for that people would attribute value to.
0: You're tuned to the Cast, where we talk about the blockchain on the Rcast and how your data remains the Cast, where R-Drive is the topic. Censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Wow, that intro was different, Andrew. What what's the story with that? I'm glad you asked, listener. Hello, welcome to episode 19 of the R cast. My guest this week, Ryan, not only is he an innovator, a healer, someone who's continued to take risks and find community and do big things. He's also a musician and a beatboxer. So we were like, what if we did a little remix of the intro song for this episode? So I thought that was tight. We linked at the R We've Build Gather Town a few months ago. And uh, he was a really interesting, sweet guy. And so we started talking about ways R-Drive and RIO could help his project. He's been working on Spider. And we talk about exactly what that project is, how we got there. And it was a really good interview. So enjoy this week's episode of the Rcast. Inferno was still burning, super hot. So if you want to participate, just all you have to do is keep uploading. And if you're in the top 50, uploading 100 megabytes or more, you'll get those sweet, drive tokens. We're starting to do TikTok stuff. What? Permanent data storage and TikTok? That sounds like a crazy confluence. Trust me, it's going to be tight. So follow us on TikTok. We've got one for the news and one for a crazy whatever. Two accounts. We'll be posting there routinely. We're going to be at the Gathering of the Juggalos, August 3rd to August 7th. I'm putting out a mixtape with MC Snacks for the event that's stored via R Drive, that's right. So, we just like letting all these different communities know that R Drive is censorship resistant, permanent, accessible, easy. And so, it's going to be a fun week. So, we hope to see you there. Come say hi. This episode is brought to you by Memory Gardens, which secures your memories for 200 years through R Weave on a platform that you can experience with a VR headset, mobile device, or computer. Listen to last episode for information. We uh, did a whole episode on Memory Gardens on episode 18. So check that out. This is my interview with Ryan. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the RCast. I'm talking to Ryan, the creator of Spider. He just presented at the Open Web Foundry. We linked in the community because... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. It was one of the gather towns for Are We Build a few months ago.
1: Yeah. You, you were the first person I met and like, could be the first person I've talked to online in a very, very long time. I, I went and saw Are We Build day one, and I was like super paranoid. And the first thing I came out the gate saying in the chat was like, hey, I, I'm interested in working on a, a people-powered search engine if anybody wants to talk about it and I was just, I pressed the button. I had this mini anxiety attack and I pressed the button. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And then right after in the meet and greet, you came up to me, you started talking you, you were like the first one and maybe me, made me feel comfortable. And I thought you like, were on the Ari core team or something, but yeah, man, <laughs> props to you for making me feel comfortable. And immediately uh, I felt like I was in the community. So it's cool.
0: It's like the thing about joining the Arweave build is that it's very, it takes courage, right? To pitch it and to get in there and ask questions. And so it's fun to come in and see how we can help people with what they're building and what they're doing. Because what I really like about the Arweave community is it has this vibe of the early internet. Like everyone is new to it. We're trying to help each other out. It always feels like, like freshman orientation at college. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Only as little pixelated characters in a, in a- Again, my, my daughters like, would come in and I'm inside a gather town they're like, you're working right now? I'm like, I'm not making any money, but technically I guess this is work. <laughs> you're a musician. You were saying how you started playing in a church band? Well, I've been playing drums, I guess, since I could sit up. So like two years old, pots and pans type thing. And basically just like I'm one of those people that just has music and beats floating around in my head all the time and... and and just needed a way to get it out. And I just became like a drummer and a beatboxer my whole life. It wasn't until I went to high school and started listening to like, I don't know, Tribe Called Quest and, and hip hop that I realized, Rozelle and stuff that I realized like, oh, this beatbox thing is like, it's a real thing. And and I'd go to these high, high school parties and I went to like a very diverse high school. And it was like all the big senior guys, like football players and whatever, they'd be like having these cyphers battling each other. And I'd be this little dorky like band geek freshman they pulled me into beatbox whatever so i kind of used music as a tool like just by accident it's like my way of expression and and connecting with people but um yeah i was in in a metal band we were trying to be like uh basically like tool meets deftones type thing and uh yeah i I guess i'll tell you the the whole the whole genesis story so because i think all of this plays plays together and the problem one, I guess like my unique background is 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 it's like the first time in my life that everything's coming together that I'm using all of my past failures and creative pursuits. It's like it's all centering in on this thing that I'm, I'm working on now. Um so yes yeah, so I was in a metal band and uh we we were we were we were good. It's like we are like mathy and all this stuff. And long story short, I think I was like 19 or so and I basically snuck my way into Interscope Records as my band's drummer and lawyer and manager. And I actually like bought a uh, or rented a limo so I could get dropped off at Interscope. I like flew across the country, got dropped off at Interscope at in a limo just for the off chance that somebody would see me get out of the limo. Basically snuck my way into Interscope and I was in the, the vice president of Interscope Records office. This is at the time that like Eminem was huge and all that stuff. And I just had this moment of like, I am not in any control of my life or my three best friends. And I just was overcome with like fear. And I was just like, I, I, I need a backup plan. So we didn't end up getting signed anyways, but it was in that moment. I was just like, I need a backup plan. And at that time it was like when video games were moving from to, to disc, like PlayStation one. And, they were projecting that the video game industry was going to, you know, make more money than, than film and music combined, which has happened. Um, and for me, as like a musician, I understood that by this medium, this video game medium being put on a, on a disc, on a, on a DVD, that soundtracks for video games weren't going to be like this blippy, like type music. We we're going to have the ability to have full orchestral scores and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, all right, this is the move. I'm going to go, I need to figure out like how to go about doing this. So I went to a school called Full Sail, which is like a media art school in Florida that you can go for audio engineering and video game film, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, (laughs) So I went there for audio engineering, but my intent was basically, it's like I went seven days a week and sat in on all the video game classes too. And in my head, what I heard was like, or, or what I assumed I should say was like this ability for video games to step into environments and for the music, for the soundtrack to change, depending on what room you're in, what sword you pick up, how you're fighting or whatever. I just assumed like, all right, now we're going to disc, like this music is, is, can be generative and, and adapt and change depending on what's happening in the game. And I was like maybe seven months into school and I went and talked, to, I was like actually in like a sitting in on an audio for video games class. And I talked to <laughs> talked to the, the instructor uh, and I was like, so how do you go about like doing this programming? Mode? He's like, no, 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 no. You, you can't do that. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, the only thing you could do right now is, is taking like 30 second, like MP3 file and like looping it. He's like, you can't, do this like generative reactive like the sound engines don't do this and here i am like spent all this money i dragged my two buddies from my metal band down to florida with me and i was just like oh my gosh you gotta be kidding me so long story short i uh i i I went through this whole program did well but then and and the, the other crazy thing is i like the last two weeks of school i got this opportunity to understudy um, this dude named Billy Ashbog, who at the time was playing for like Britney Spears and NSYNC and stuff like that when they were huge. And uh, so I was, I was like taking drum lessons from him basically. And he's like, what are you doing? I told him, well, I'm going full self audio engineering. And he said, why? He's like, what? Why are you 21 and working on your plan B, backup plan? He's like, you, you need to be like a professional drummer. And it's like, and you, you don't, you don't have to just be in a band. You can be like me and tour the world with, with, for pop musicians, whatever. So that guy rocked my world, literally like the last couple of weeks of school. And I started looking into like, like all these pop musicians. And I realized like 99% of them were all like black dudes that came up in the gospel church. And I was just like, how am I going to like. And it's like the same people playing for all these people, you know, usher or whatever. It's like, they all are in these niche of a niche of a niche of communities in San Francisco and all over the, all over the country. But this like black gospel church niche. And I was just like, how am I going to like infiltrate this, this community? And so anyways, I, uh, ended up, um, getting a, uh, this crazy job at the time. I'm, I was, I'm from Rhode Island, but I was living in, in Boston and, I got this crazy, I snuck into an interview for DigiDesign, the company that makes Pro Tools now called Avid. But Berkeley was hosting a career expo to fill a position. I snuck my way in there, didn't go to Berkeley, went in there basically to complain about Pro Tools. And got a call a few hours later saying, you got the gig if you can be in in LA in six weeks. So I drive out to LA and had this amazing opportunity to work for DigiDesign now called Avid. As kind of like a, what they call the foot soldier, basically being the eyes and the ears of, of the community of the company on the ground and going to studios and talking to producers and figuring out what what how we can make the software better and blah, 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 blah. So, this whole time I'm there, I'm like this is great. It's like the most amazing gig in the world. I'm getting to like go into all these communities and studios and do demos and all this stuff, all these places that I would have no reason to be in this place at all. Like I'm nothing special, but all of a sudden it's like, people want to be my friend because I work for this company or whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm a drummer. It's like, I came out here to like to play drums. So one day I was doing like a demo of this virtual instrument software. And this dude comes up to me, this big black dude. He's like, man, you play keys in church. And I was like, uh, I was like, no. He's like, well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come to my church. And I was like, okay, like this this is, this is my in, right? So I go and it's in Compton and I'm the only white dude there. And the musicians are just ridiculous. Like, I think the drummer wasn't there because he's playing for Ryan Carey or whatever. There's like 16 year old that ended up getting plucked out by Nas. So I'm sitting there. It's like, I grew up like Roman Catholic and I'm in this like, this church in Compton, and it's like, you know, people are clapping and dancing and jumping around, all the stuff. And I was just like, I felt like I was in a movie. And I'm sitting there with like a mohawk mullet and like a tweed jacket, but that's my grandfather's. I'm like sweating. And at the end of the service, the preacher's like, do we have any visitors here today? And I was just like, God, if you are real, get me out of here. And so he, the lady next to me stands me up. I walk to the front of the, the altar and he turns me around and faces me to the people And there are probably 200 of some of the probably the poorest people in the whole entire country, just like on their feet, like praying for me. And that moment just, it rocked me. Like I like felt God's love. And I felt community for the first time. And it's like my perspective in that moment changed from like me trying to like be on this journey of like, you know, climbing this ladder to like for the first time I like felt like a part of community. And I was like the only white guy and all this stuff, but, whatever. So I had this like heart change and decided to move back to Rhode Island. I ended up becoming like an inner city youth pastor at another church. I was the only white guy and just really started getting a heart for like inner city kids that didn't really have a chance and were kind of destined to like be caught in this cycle. So I'm still still working with a music tech company and started like volunteering with some friends and adopted this like this elementary school and just did like, I was doing like beat making classes in this elementary school. And with a bunch of like crazy artist friends, the school went from like one of the worst performing in the city to one of the best performing in the state. And it was the the principal attributed it because of the community that we were building. And like, they would literally have to call the fire marshal on parent teacher nights because they would have, you know, a couple hundred parents wanting to come, which was unheard of. Right. Um, so again, this idea of community and figuring out how to connect with people that, I, that weren't me, a completely different type of, of, of community. Um, so then I got a, a call at this time. It's like I kind of stepped up the ladder that I was U.S. marketing manager and I got a call from the guy uh, that was head of the arts for the city. And he was like, Ryan, um, you know, we just built this multimillion dollar uh, high school, uh, but it, it, it's failing. It's, it was the most state of the art schools in the country at the time. It's like, we need somebody to come in who understands technology um, to help change, to give the school vision. So I leave my career. He's like, are you interested? I said, no. And at the time I like, I thought I was crushing it. And I was like, no, I'm not interested, but I prayed about it. And I'm like, All right, I gotta, I gotta make this move. So I changed my career. I go to work for the school. Uh, and I was a creative technologist. And the problem that the school was having is that, um, Kids were, going in, kids were expected to make a career decision. It was like a career in technical high school, right? So, kids were expected to make a career decision on what they want to do for the rest of their life from like a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation when they're in eighth grade. And thus, they had the wrong kids in the wrong seats for their whole high school career, trying to be an electrician or an engineer or whatever it is. So, I quickly realized oh. this problem and I was like, all right, we need to – and I had this marketing background – I'm like, we need to figure out how to for these kids to be able to like search and discover their their interests and their and their and their passions way before they have to make a decision on what they do. So I made this software um, called Improved, and um, it was basically like this 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 video based uh, search and discovery tool where kids could like explore different career paths. And I had the kids themselves making the videos of like designing iPhone, 3D printing iPhone cases, all this crazy stuff. Um, and so that by the time, and I had, I, I literally like went into the middle schools and we were, like drilling, um, TVs on the, on the lunchrooms, like totally against code so that I could like pull in all this, all this media and stuff in the lunchrooms. But anyways, um, so I, I created this thing and, uh, and I was really excited about it. And then I realized like Facebook was doing the same thing. And so I, I, I flew out to California and, um, met with their engineering team. And I just realized like, they're also working on this like uh, personalized education, like search and discovery mechanism to figure out what motivates a young person's interest or whatever. And then i was just like kind of making these calculations in my head. I'm like, all right, but where does that stop? It's like, like at what point are you gathering interest about somebody when they're 15 or 10 painting this picture? I got really frustrated by that. And I just had this mentality of like, I'm not going to beat Facebook. It's like, they're way out ahead of me. They, you know, they're building the stuff inside of Facebook headquarters. Um, and I just got really down and depressed and my wife kind of called me out and she's like, you need to, uh, she's like, maybe it's time to be a musician. We just, we were like, we're going to move back to LA or Nashville. And I told her, I was like, if we move to Nashville, we're going to be living on ramen noodles for, for 10 years for me to be like a producer, or drummer, right? So we decided to do that. Hmm. And in the interim, we go down to New Jersey where my wife's from. And I end up meeting this guy who had this, has this amazing studio and he is like, you know, meets me, asks me my story. I tell him my story. He's like, well, someone just donated an oversized school bus, um, to this music foundation. We need someone to turn it into a state of the art recording studio and, uh, and go out and find the next generation of like inner city kids that are, that are the musicians that are going to represent the city. And he's like, you're the guy. And I was like, what? Like, what? You talk like what are you talking about? I went back, told my wife, and decided to do that. So we, we moved down to New Jersey. I had to go to truck driving school after I moved my family down they're like, oh yeah, you gotta go to truck driving school. So I grew this crazy mustache, long, long you know, mustache just to survive in truck driving school. Um, and built this crazy bus. And we got sponsors, Sannheiser and Rolly and and all sorts of crazy sponsors. It was like the most state-of-the-art studio on wheels. And the idea was for me to like go out and build community uh, through this bus in different schools and, and, uh, and boys and girls clubs and all this kind of stuff. So at that point, I kind of recognized another problem that I'm trying to solve right now. And that is like this idea of um, um, discovering and, and being recommended content. So on this thing, it's called the Beat Bus. Um, before we get into, like, making beats, I'd always ask the kids, like, well, what kind of music do you listen to? And this was, like, a way for me as, like, a late 30s white dude to, like, relate to these kids. And it could be, you know, all-age kids, but, you know, inner-city kids, right, with tough situations. So 99% of the time, it was always, like, SoundCloud, like, trap rappers. And it didn't matter if it was, like, kindergarten girl or, like, some kid that just got out of juvie. I would just, like, I got really good at knowing, like, all these, like, underground, like, trap rappers um but i was thinking to myself it's yeah. like all right like my generation was like my parents listened to music on records and i my gener- generation was more like tapes and cds and then the ipod and i thought like with this generation you would think these kids would be have the world of music to search and discover at any given time but then i realized after asking this question hundreds of times like i had over five thousand The seats were filled over 5,000 times on the bus. And I asked this question every single time. And so I had this thesis of like, why are all these kids just listening to one style of music when they have the world of music at their fingertips via YouTube and Spotify or whatever? And what I realized in asking this question hundreds of times is that these kids were just being algorithmically recommended the same type of music. And this light bulb went off in my head. It's like, yeah, Spotify is incentivized is not incentivized to recommend new types of music to them. YouTube's not incentivized to recommend new Mm. types of stuff to to further their interests. They're algorithmically like trapped in a trap bubble um, to keep their attention, and aka make the more time you spend on a platform, the more money they make. So I tried to combat that by like, and they, these kids never heard jazz, like just stuff. So I'd co- try to combat this with this idea of like introducing them to different styles of music loops. And it's like, all right, you want to make a trap beat? You've got to start with this punk rock guitar first and crazy stuff like that. So I did that. And then um, all of a sudden, uh, the, right before COVID hit, I asked the same question, right? And, and this, is, this, is like, this is the part of the story where I get red-pilled into Web3. So I, I asked this question, like, what are you guys listening to? And for years, for, I've been doing it for two or three years, I hear, you know, trap, trap rappers. And all of a sudden, everybody from the kindergarten girl to the kid that just got out of juvie, I said, what, what are you guys listening to right now? And all of a sudden, they all said Marshmallow. And I'm like, the EDM producer? And they're like, yeah. And then like the second day, me asking the same question, same response. And I was like, how? Why? Like, I was so confused. I'm like, how are you? Why are you listening? Yeah. I had no idea. So I'm, I'm like, w- so w- w- how? And they're like, oh, we went to the marshmallow show. And that's how they phrased it. Over a few time, we went to the marshmallow I was like, oh, he played around here? And they are like, no, he played in Fortnite. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, my head was just like, oh, right? And completely blew my mind. And I was just like, this is the scariest and saddest and kind of coolest thing I've ever heard. And then me as this old guy, like I had to check myself and then and I researched it and all this stuff and I'm just like a concert in a video game, and, you know, millions of people at the same time watching this, whatever. And I had to check myself and first I was like, this is, this is stupid. This is absolutely ridiculous. And then I realized like, one, from a record label perspective, it's like, what's the main thing that you can do to put your artist in front of the biggest audience possible? It's like the the Super Bowl, right? But your demographic of the Super Bowl is like fatties like me that don't care about the weekend or whoever it is, right? <laughs> so from like, uh, a, a content um, delivery perspective as a label. It's like, now you can put your in front from a video game in, in front of 99.9% of your exact demographic. That's going to buy tickets and buy merch in the video game, blah, blah, blah. And then I also thought like in my day, I got exposed to new music and like Tony Hawk. Right. And then it's the same thing. So anyways, so then COVID hits and I'm doing a zoom with one of my kids. And as I'm zooming with him, he's got his face like super close to the screen. And I was like, X, Either I'm the most interesting teacher you have or you're playing a video game. And he's like, yeah, Mr. Ryan, I'm playing a video game. And then all of a sudden in that moment, I was like, we got to figure out how to make like a quote unquote, like metaverse music experience. So I was like, light bulb moment off. I was like, X, are you down to build like a virtual music venue? And he was like, yeah. And this dude, the kid's like super nerd. He's like, yeah, I got you. I'm like, okay. So I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm just like making this up as I go along. So then I set out on this journey with like these 10 or so kids. I call them my ninjas on how to figure out how to make like a 3D virtual music venue, um, but with a couple different things. So like this idea of metaverse shows, it's like, it's an avatar inside of a, inside of Fortnite. They are pre-recording it, like, you know, uh, uh, um, marshmallow whatever jumping around in a in a in a in a suit, like a motion capture suit. They pre-record it, play press play on a server, and that pre-recorded performance like basically is 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 distributed out. And they do that for bandwidth reasons and all this kind of stuff. But with this, I'm like, we're not doing advertise. I was like, we need to figure out how to put real musicians playing live inside of a inside of a video game environment. So we set out and that's all we had was like an iPad, a laptop, a green screen. We had like, you know, $2,000 worth of stuff. And most of that was the, was the laptop. And we were, we were remote. And um, so, yeah, so I ended up taking gear off the bus and give, dropping it off at the kid's house. It's like, all right, let's figure out how to do this. So with the limited tools we had, we figured out these like open source technologies. Long story short like got to a point where we modeled the town square of our, of our city in VR because we didn't have time to learn blender and all this stuff. So we modeled it in VR. I recognized like all these futurists that are designing sneakers and cars and all this kind of stuff. They're like actually designing in VR now. So I'm like, all right, let's jump the whole blender stuff, model in VR, design in VR. And so we created this world in VR and then built the stage and, all these different things like how do you do virtual lighting and so we built like a little app for to be able to control lights and all this stuff and the idea was like we could have our artists these kids teenagers like come in do a show and we would broadcast it to the boys and girls clubs as a way for these kids to express themselves for their voices to be heard and so we did it and and it got to the point where it was like um all right, when an artist comes in here and they say what they want to do for the production for this show, we've got to figure out how to do it. We, can't, we don't say no, we, say, we figure out how to do it. So we had this one artist come in and she's like, well, when, my, when the chorus drops, I want, she had this song about racism and she said, like, when the chorus drops, um, I want, like, my body to turn into all these different colors. It's called color changes. So like, all right, let's figure out how to do it. So we, we had an iPad. I'm like, all right, we can use augmented reality and and create an AR app, put, run the iPad through the computer and figure out a way. So when her she raised her hands, her body animated all these things, like live. It was all live. Was crazy. Insane. I had a kid right. be like, well, we need different perspective camera angles. And I'm like, all right, well, he's like, can I make a virtual drone? I said, all right, go ahead. So Model a little virtual drone, figure it out to change the uh, – the uh, gravity, so that the thing could, the camera perspective could fly around, and as we stream it, it was insane, right? And it was all private to like uh, to boys and girls club. So, funny thing was, I, I get that year I went to, so that was kind of like me getting red pilled into like the visual side of of Web three, and I I went because during COVID, Facebook had their developers conference, so I went to it. And they were previewing um, what's now the metaverse. This is before they rebranded everything to Meta and whatnot. And I went in and I was just in this thing and seeing what they were doing. And uh, ended up I was, I was literally like picking my nose with my virtual character that I designed to look like my auntie Holly. And this guy comes up to me, and he's uh, and and I start picking his nose in VR. Right? Insane. And. I ended up picking the nose of the director of Facebook Reality Labs. I I started asking questions like, well, how is this stitched together up here? And he starts giving me these answers. And and he's like, you're asking the craziest questions. He's like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I'm making a metaverse with a bunch of 15 year old like ninjas. It's super smart, dude, super, super nice guy. But it was just like, how are you doing this? And I was like, what if I told you we were doing this with like a laptop or whatever? I said, how much would it cost you to do like a 20 minute show? not even pre-build, just a production to do it. It was like $200,000 or something like that. Um, so he basically said like, well, let's figure out how we can support you. Graciously said, let's figure out how to support you and figure out how to get you gear and money and whatnot to do this. Um, and this is during COVID. We were, the Music Foundation was running out of money. And I just kind of went back to the same experience of sitting back in the Facebook headquarters. And I was just like, we're onto something. It's like, I just demoed this thing for, Probably one of the smartest people in this space in the whole entire world, and threw this guy for a loop. And obviously, he probably could figure it out, but he was just like, "Wait, how are you how are you doing your virtual lighting? How are you do it?" And um, and the funny thing is, like this group of kids was called Illusions. It's like we literally created this this metaverse illusion, just just these tricks of the eye, like for, for, with perspective and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, anyways, I decided I was like, "No, I don't want Facebook's money." I don't essentially want to be research and development with a bunch of these teenage kids for Facebook. I can't, I can't, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And so I basically just didn't follow up and just kind of let the opportunity go. And I questioned myself, it wasn't easy, but I was just like, I can't do this. And soon thereafter, we lost money. We lo- we ran out of funding for the, for the, for, uh, for this program. And I was out of work. And, um, and that's when I found our weave and, uh, so I went to the the uh, the website and it literally says like, quit your job, build the future of the internet. And I was just like, well, I don't have work right now. In my head, I was like, I'm going to, this is when the market was good. It was like last November. Um, and I was like, all right, well, I bet you I can make enough money in six months, just being super aggressive in a lot of these DeFi things. If I can make enough money in six months to like give myself runway for another six months, then that can be, I can have time to pay myself to like work on this stuff with these kids um and then the market dumped like two weeks into november and i was just like with without nothing <laughs> so basically since then i've i've, I've yeah. had nothing and but the are weave community and that's when i found you <laughs> like i'm literally going this it's a uh, gather town and uh yeah and uh, i met you in, in this community and and now on this crazy journey with with, with spider <laughs> All these like things, like these problems and community building, and this theme of like being in and around people that aren't, don't look like me, don't talk like me, aren't my same age, all this kind of stuff. It's like this, this theme in my life that keeps coming back, and now spiders like bringing it all together.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And you're talking about how. In your presentation, one of the goals of Spiders to make sure that the results aren't biased, aren't siloed, aren't like are algorithmically driven, which was kind of manifested in all these kids having the same taste and mm-hmm. kind of generic, middle of the road, similar trap music. Not that that stuff is bad, but a lot of it does sound like technically very similar. Mm-hmm. And so your your background has a really interesting um, f- functionality in, in in having a reason why something like spider is so useful. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Like you did in the web foundry and, and um, some of the philosophy behind that project. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the I guess the first thing is like, you know, I'm a product guy and marketing person or whatever. And it's like product market fit. Like, what does that look like? And I, I think for me, it's like, I've spent the last 15 years in mentoring young inner city kids. It's like, I've kind of like, My perspective is like, I I can kind of think like a young 15-year-old kid, Um, and the way that they see the world is in plain sight, but for our generation and older, it seems crazy. Like, metaverse stuff, it just seems like a toy, which is every disruptive technology sounds like that. So, it's like, Mm. I have to constantly push myself, and, 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 and building with kids, like, they're ninjas, super smart, but they, to me, it's like, they represent like the next generation's voice and what, what is going to be normal and how they're going to collaborate and work together on the internet. And, and, and how, what does it look like to do that in a quote unquote, like gaming environment and all this kind of stuff. So that's kind of the lens that I look at everything through now, um, especially with web three and technology and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the problem that spider is trying to solve is like, this idea of, of centralized uh, data and, and these big Web2 companies harvesting and monetizing end user data and the people basically becoming the product. And I can't fault these companies, the Googles and the TikToks and, and whatever, to, from doing this because their job is to, they're incentivized to pro- provide value for their board and, and stockholders or whatever. Um, and they do a really good job at it, and they do a really good job at recommending content to people and and all this kind of stuff. But we, the people, our data is being—we're uh, not in any control of it, you know. And we see time and time again, like from a user perspective, how we aren't in control of that. Whether it's losing everything or 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 whatnot, and we see all this crazy geopolitical stuff that can happen when big companies can can change the 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 discourse of society and, and culture. So. The big problem we're trying to solve is like, how do you, how do you create a like you flip that market incentive instead of the traditional market? Well, I'll say this web one, the internet was first devised or, or, or communally contributed to be an open buildable marketplace of innovations. Right. And then web two, the, the Googles and whatnot kind of co-opted that figure out how to make things faster, cheaper. Um, and, and thus uh, maintain almost all the control over everything and it's great because you can if you have the next instagram you can spin it up on amazon web services and have it scaled to 200 million people in two weeks but like our data is is we're not in control of it right and i think everybody in the arweave community understands that the second thing problem that we're trying to solve with spider is this idea of 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 your interests, right? So this idea of your interests having value, basically your interest, meaning like your motivations, the stuff that you, that you enjoy, whether it's what you're learning about or what you're building, or what you're listening to. It's like the more that web three and blockchain scales, it's like, well, we all know that like, everything's going to become an NFT at some point. It's like, I don't know when it is. You can't not be able to get a haircut without like using an NFT to pay for it or something mm-hmm. in five years. But Right now, these like primitives of like things that we identify as things that we want to associate ourselves with to become our identity, whether it's a profile picture or a music song or whatever it is, it's like there's on-chain data that 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 goes along with that. Um, so, how can we create like a people-powered market that flips flips this marketplace incentive from from providing all the value to the uh, to the big companies and passes that that value in a self-sovereign, self-identified way to, to users um, in a way that they can curate and discover their own stuff and then be able to connect what, what, what we're calling webs, uh, interconnect other people's webs together. And at that point, this this market, this automated market maker, like turns into a prediction market. So this all kind of ties together with this idea of, you creating an, an automated market maker that's built on top of current technologies that the ecosystem has with COI, you know, proof of real traffic and, and all these different things. But how can we use these DeFi mechanisms um, and take, and there's a lot of people talking about this, but how can we take these DeFi primitives that are super innovative, that are used for, you know, financial applications, and how can you take those same the same type of thinking and apply it to solve other problems, other coordination problems besides like earning yield on some DeFi asset or something. So um, yeah, so that, that's the problem that we're trying to solve. And to me, it's like when you're connecting people's interests together and in this like decentralized uh, marketplace of interests, what we call an index, which is kind of a plan where it's like an index via search and indexing data, but the Dex, a decentralized injects, Um, typically is what you call in DeFi, a DEX. It's a a decentralized exchange of interests. So creating this index um, that's powered by people's self-sovereign data um, where they 're incentivized in a gamified way to to curate their web, share their web, and discover other people 's content so that they can further their their exploration journey
0: there 's all this interesting stuff on our weave and there 's all these worlds and all these people, so you 're kind of trying to connect the dots but but in a different way, making it so that stuff is not just mysteriously out there. is that part of it
1: one like design goal that I have is like building, breaking these big picture things down into tiny little uh, builds um, and have those builds be able to provide value and, and have utility like right now and not be like, oh, we're going to build this for three years and then release it. But like build it in public, build it with community and have each one of these different like access points, I guess you could say, like have a real utility and value for that people would attribute value to. Um, so one of those things is this, this whole idea kind of centers around this, this this user interface that is, uh, it resembles a spider web. So if you watch my demo, um, it's it's basically eight nodes with one in the middle that, that represent eight spider legs and how they weave webs. And the idea is each one of those nodes represents one of your self-sovereign, like self-identified interests. It's not one of these algorithmic blockchain things. Because obviously with blockchain ledger, it's like all your data is out there, right? And I think a problem, and we, this is a whole nother topic, but a, a problem be, with all your data being out there, unless you have stuff on uh, zero knowledge proof and all that kind of stuff. But with your problem, data being out there, it's like anybody can create these curation networks, like algorithmic stuff to paint their picture of who you are and, and blockchain. Um, but to me, it's like that's kind of not s- solving the problem. It's like kind of potentially creating an even greater problem than having like five companies do that. Now it's like anybody's portraying like your identity um, with algorithmic blockchain technology. And what does that look like in 10 years? Right. Um, but with this, with spider, it's like your self sovereign self identified interest. So you take something that you have in your wallet, let's say a music a piece of music or NFT or Dow holding or a POAP app or a credential or something. And, You stake it to the center of your web and what we're calling PIDs or permaweb IDs, which is literally the center of Spider, S-P-I-D-E-R. So you stake your interest token to your web. And then basically, when you stake that interest token to your web, you're then connected to everybody else that staked that interest token to their web. Very simple. Um, But… With this user interface, um, it presents, like, different access points to, like, engage with Web3. And with with where we're at right now and where we're going with VR and AR and WebXR and all this kind of stuff, it's like, and again, me trying to push myself and change my own perspective, like looking at the world through the perspective of a 14-year-old kid, it's like we need user interfaces. We have the opportunity to take all of these amazing, like, UX UI stuff that we've learned and got really good at analyzing in web 2 and kind of presenting them in new ways that that make use of the blockchain now. So with spider we have this this spider web um, user interface and to me it's like this design mechanism can represent so many different things. Um, and at first what 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 we're planning on doing is having this this like eight node spider web um, basically be just like, uh, a single player experience that can kind of, you can curate your interest to this thing. And it's a way for you to like express your interest, kind of almost like a bookmarking tool type thing. Um, but it acts as a gate. So it acts like, as like a gateway into said experience. So one thing I want to revisit is this idea of like my my days when I was thinking about this, I don't know, 15 years ago whatever it was in school of like generative music so what would it look like to have like each one of these nodes these little (laughs) circles be uh represented as like a a a 15 second like drum loop right and what does it look like to curate your little web as like these different uh, uh, music loops and now your web has this generative soundtrack that is constantly changing and maybe depending on like what what community you log into or discord channel you're in now your soundtrack is like generatively changing and adapting to whatever other people have their music loops in that discord channel or this metaverse experience or whatever and it creates this like again uh, like spider being a gamified experience creates this like this exploratory gamified type experience of exploring the web but now you have this like this this generative music soundtrack that's that's changing changing um, and is represented by like staking music loops, for instance, in, in your web as like one um, one interest type of of example, but yeah. So the first thing is like building this 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 web as a single player thing, people staking their interest to it, and basically leveraging that as like a gate almost like a crypto captcha tool where it's like in order to get into maybe a discord channel or or a um, protocol or or a show whatever it is it's like you need to have x amount of things like in your web where it becomes really interesting is like now you add like multiplayer like multi sig thing to this web and now it's like all right in order to get into this event even it could be in in real life it doesn't have to all be on the internet but in order to get into this web into this event like you know nine of these people represented the spider all have to have a certain nft or a certain credential or whatever and now when the spider web this multi-sig thing uh, has all those things happen like then you get access so it's acting as this like gate or like crypto capture type tool um, and now you then you go one step further and you start looking at like what um redstone's doing with with uh vrf like randomizing on chain stuff it's like now this web can start spinning and you have kind of randomized like gamified uh access points into different experiences it's like endless amount of stuff but just starting with this user interface as like a design mechanism and letting the community figure out what are these things of value that we can create right now and put it out there like in in a matter of months and not just like, oh, we're going to build this thing for five years.
0: That's cool. So where can people follow the progress on it?
1: At Open Web Foundry, I I launched the Twitter, which is at um, search, but it's at S3ARCH, um, or they can go to SPIDER, S-P-I-D-3-R.io. And then my Twitter handle is at VoicesOfHim. The phases of this thing is to start it as a single player experience. The second phase would be adding a multiplayer experience where you can search and discover other people's interests. And this web becomes this like interconnected, like relational database of people's interests that you can stake into your interests. And once you stake to your interests, they're earning points for their views. Um, this idea of going back to this theme of like your point of view. Um, and once you have this, this, this critical mass, this network effect of enough people indexing their uh, their interest into this decentralized exchange of interest, now all of a sudden you have like this search engine that kind of appears in the same way that you know Google, which I mean um, YouTube, which started off as like an online dating site, is now like the number two search engine in the world because enough people are putting everything on there. And same way like TikTok is now emerging as a search engine. Now if you want to figure out how to make pancakes with a hammer you go on TikTok <laughs> to figure out how to do that, right? So when you have this network effect and enough people indexing their self sovereign interests, now all of a sudden you have this like emergence of a protocol, people-powered um, search engine or a search and discovery tool that can be built on and adapted by other blockchains and other, other communities. And the, the end point there is creating this access point, um, hoping to be able to build it out with, with R.io um, as a gateway where people can go to s3ar.ch and AR is in the middle of it, in in the middle of the search, which is cool. And search becomes like the gateway to to this experience and the spider becomes like the gate to the gateway. Um, And the last thing I'll say is like, um, the super cool thing is it's like, and kind of figuring out how to search and and explore the web via this, this user interface um, that right now I'm building out in WebXR, meaning it can be interacted with on the phone, on your computer, uh, in VR, in AR down the line. Um, you can actually step into the web and um, instead of looking at it in web view, you can look at it in world view. So now you can go inside these nodes or inside these little domes um, and now you're inside of this community of people that share like the share the same interest, but now you're in a metaverse type experience. So you can imagine like people that all share an artist loops and they're in this room and music's generatively changing and blah, 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 and they're inside the metaverse, whether they're in VR or on a phone doesn't so much matter. But to me, it's like, that's, that's the end game there is looking at what is, what is, how can we use the coordination tools that, that, uh, that are around now via Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Arweave? How do you build upon those things from, with, through the perspective of Arweave with Datafy and, 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 and PermaWeb, all these things that I believe is like the next generation of the internet? It's like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Arweave. Um, and how can you create these completely decentralized like, metaverse experiences where you're bringing people together via interests into a room For them to do whatever, for them to invent the same way that I met you in Gather Town and we're now here a couple months later, like what does it look like to like have people be in control of their interests, meeting people and doing whatever. And that to me is like the promise of this idea of the town square that gets thrown out a lot. But like in the Renaissance period, we have, you know, philosophers with mathematicians and theologians and, and scientists, like all in the town square, literally like drinking wine together and and completely changing society because they were in the shared experience. So what does it look like to create that experience and then lastly what does it look like to um, to unite people with like what what uh, my friend is calling uh, minimum viable interests. So where the old market way, Web2 way of doing things was like you divide people, you segment them into tiny little interests so that you can be- better serve ads and make money off of ads. And thus, now you have society that's segmented and polarized into these tiny groups of, of, of people that are like living their whole entire life through one Perspective, one worldview, and we have people fighting each other in the streets because of it. And a lot, of, a lot of it is because of technology. So, what if it? What, what does it look like? in decentralizing that, and having people interacting, collaborating, and shared experiences, whether it's in VR and a metaverse or just in a two D view of meeting people. But what does it look like to like have people incentivized to share the same mission to to push their 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 their, their self sovereign interests together. So me and you may hate each other on on Twitter never come in contact with each other on Twitter because it's not algorithmically set up like that but with spider it's like we could find each other through this minimum viable interest and we're both incentivized to this gamified automated market maker experience to 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 create and to collaborate and 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 build upon the shared interests so that that interest provides value to the world and that to me is like now you're getting back to this thing of like, You know, me being in just my life experience to constantly be throwing in these situations where of of people groups that I don't quote unquote belong, but recognizing that everybody just wants the same thing. We all want freedom. And it doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left or live in this country or this age or this race. It's like, fundamentally, it's like, we all want freedom. And with like the power of our weave specifically and data, it's like, we have the opportunity to create like a people powered market so that that marketplace can create whatever they want and have Mm. complete ownership over it. So that's kind of like the high level tying everything together um, and what we're trying to do with spider.
0: What you're doing is really interesting and exciting. And it sums up a lot of the philosophy of why I'm excited about all this stuff. And I appreciate you, Ryan, you're a thoughtful guy. And uh, this is a really good interview. So thank you for your time
1: today. Yeah, man. At, at, At some point in the future, we'll do a metaverse show. We'll be we'll be in the metaverse and and you can be rapping and I'll I'll be in a in a band with my kids, crushing it. <laughs> That'll be tight. That'll be tight.
0: That sounds good. Well, I'll be sh- be sure to keep your eye on Spider and uh, we'll keep you updated on Ryan's great creativity. Thanks, everyone.
1: I appreciate you, brother.
0: Ryan has good morals and great project ideas. Thanks for being on, dude. Be sure to tune in next time. For more updates on the community, be sure to keep participating in Inferno and know before you stow. This is the end of the show. Thanks, everyone.